Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to an episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. And I'm excited, Chris. This, this is a big day for us. We're going to talk about a little bit of sports and, you know, college football specifically. And we have some really talented staff in the Department of Corrections who have played Division I sports or college sports. And uh, today we're going, to, we're going to kick it off with, uh, with Warden Shane Jackson, who, uh, who played you're, – you're the Bo Jackson of, of the DOC. You played baseball and football in college at Eastern Michigan University. And uh, so I'm excited to talk to you about this. But first let's talk about – who you are and where you've been through the department. You, you, you are a warden, but tell us, tell us where at and uh, where you've been. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's a, a real exciting time uh, playing sports uh, back at Eastern Michigan University. And I uh, work at Ernest C. Brooks Correctional Facility as the warden. I've been working the department 25 years. Started back in 1993 um, at Mound Correctional Facility, Ryan Correctional Facility. Uh, worked at Macomb, Carson City, MCF, Muskegon. So I've kind of bounced around a little bit, been a warden for the last six months. And uh, kind of excited about being here. Well, that, that's great, Shane. And, you, you know, um, it's exciting to have you here because, you know, we don't get to speak to many Division One college athletes. I know Chris, Chris Scouts, is, uh, he gave it a shot but failed miserably at Division One college sports. Um, so it's nice to actually talk to an athlete here. Shane, tell us kind of how you got started. And I, and I know you played baseball and football at Eastern, but how did you get involved in those sports? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, playing uh, sports uh, was something I've done all my life. Um, my father was, a, was an avid baseball player, so I picked up baseball as a, as a young tyke and uh, played football uh, starting in middle school and high school and uh, was blessed enough to become pretty good at it. Uh, played quarterback at Detroit Cast Tech initially. Then I moved to Pontiac and played at Pontiac Northern High School. So excelled at quarterback, uh, played baseball, excelled at both sports. Actually was uh, all-state in baseball, football, and basketball back in 1987. That was quite a long time ago, so... That's how I got started. Uh, you know, my father was an avid football fan. You know, he was an, an Ohio State Buckeye fan. Uh, nobody was perfect. He passed away, but nobody's perfect. So, you know, right, right now I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan. But, but uh, that's how I got started, and that's how it, uh, it just manifested into something that was a blessing from God uh, to continue to do. So I was able to do it. It helped me earn a degree in uh, college sports. I was able to go and play college football and baseball at Eastern Michigan. Had to get a base. Had to get a basketball up as I was a little vertically challenged for the skill set I had. So it's just been a, a roller coaster ride, and I'm still uh, reaping the benefits from my athletic uh, past. Well, that's that's great, and you know, I'm curious. How did the process go for you to get to Eastern Michigan? Were you recruited? Did you kind of just walk on? Did you decide one day I'm going to do two sports instead of one? How, how did that process go for you? That's an interesting question. Uh, good question. With uh, with the sports, uh, a lot of uh, colleges came out and began to recruit me for football and baseball. Actually, I was more recruited for baseball. Uh, Arizona State was one of the first schools to come out and recruit me for baseball. I took trips out to Colorado. I took a trip to University of Southern California to play both sports. I went to both Michigan and Michigan State to play both sports. And Eastern Michigan didn't come in the picture until late in the recruiting process. Michigan had come to uh, come to see me. Actually, Bo Schembechler came to my father's apartment, and he had one of the most famous quotes or, or, or something that sticks in my uh, mind to this day. He told me, son, you owe it to yourself to be a Michigan man. I thought that was the most egotistical thing I'd ever heard. But once he said it, I just kind of looked. I said, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It is right. But 
The reason I didn't go to Michigan, I didn't go to Michigan State, is because neither one of them wanted to let me play quarterback. High school kid, you know, high school, you know, all the girls like the quarterback. So I wanted to play quarterback. So Eastern Michigan came late in the game and said, hey, Coach Jim Harkema, uh, still around, great guy. He came to one of our basketball games um, uh, in, in the winter before I was actually going to Eastern. And he said, hey, we'll let you play quarterback, uh, play quarterback and baseball. And they actually split my scholarship up half and half. Well, two-thirds football, one-third baseball to ensure that I'd get to play both sports. So that's how I actually ended up at Eastern. But Eastern was kind of an afterthought. Really didn't know where Eastern was or, or anything like that. I was more focused on being a Wolverine. But that's the way it worked out for me. And when you talk about uh, on the baseball side, you were – Drafted by the Tigers, right? That's correct. Yep, drafted 15th round, 1987 amateur draft out of high school by the Tigers as a catcher. So, yep, I was drafted by the Tigers, and I was signed as a free agent after college uh, by the Minnesota Vikings uh, for football, but not as a quarterback because I'd hurt my knee and I began to get a little bigger, so it was going to be as a tight end. But, yep, I was blessed in those areas as well. Well, you know, I, I knew that we knew that you played, you know, two sports, but none of us had any idea that you recruited by Bo Schembechler and you had all these other, that's really, really cool. And I think that's unique. What I love about the department is that we have staff that have so many great stories like this that you don't know until you ask. And it's, it's that's the whole point of this podcast is to be able to share things like this. And so maybe you could share a couple of your, uh, maybe your favorite memories from your time uh, on the football field. Uh, Cause right now we're obviously doing this cause we're in the middle of the football season. So any great uh, games, uh, any great wins or anything like that that really stick out? Uh, one game that, that really sticks out was against Western Michigan. I think it was 1990. Uh, we, we don't have to tell the story. It's okay. <laughs> I had a very uh, productive day, productive game. It was early in the season. Uh, we were able to come out of, uh, on top of Western, and um, that's when I really got comfortable as a, as a college quarterback. It was my second or third start, but it was probably by far the best game I'd played up until that point. It was my junior year, and uh, we were real successful. We won the game. A couple good passes, a couple touchdown passes, and a big crowd at Ryan Nearson Stadium. It was just a good time. So that's probably my best uh, memory of playing football at Eastern Michigan. Well, that makes we didn't we didn't rehearse that, but that makes me so happy that your best game was against Western and not against Central. Um, and I thought, you know, we did look up your stats, and so we want to make sure that we let people know that you were the real deal. Played 11 games in 1990. You had a 46.1% percentage uh, completion rate, and you had almost 1,500 yards uh, passing. So you were not too shabby. So you're, you were definitely the real deal. This isn't somebody who just played the bench. Like, uh, who was that guy that used to co-host the podcast with us? That He was like, what, fourth string? He, I think he's a warden, too. I don't, know, maybe you've, I don't know if you've ever talked to him about your college football days and maybe how they stack up against each other. But was it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was it Noah? It was Yeah, yeah. He played for, uh, what, what school was that? Grand, Grand Valley, I think it was. Is that a community college? Yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. Well, you know, but seriously, warden, um, what now that you're you were clearly you were leading the, the team out of the field. You're the quarterback. You're the, the general of the of the offense. What what lessons do you take from your time there on the football field that you can translate now to being warded and running the facility? You know the two positions are very similar. I mean, uh, as a quarterback, people are looking at you to know things that they don't know when they get confused. Same thing as a warden. You have to know various areas of the facility to make sure people are on track and doing the right thing. And you have to. Make sure that you keep people engaged on the football field. Got to keep them engaged. You got to make sure they're attentive, making sure they're doing, paying attention to detail. And that's what we do as wardens. We try to keep people engaged. We have to make sure that we're attentive. We're paying attention to detail. We're following policy and procedure. But one thing at Eastern Michigan, uh, Coach Jim Arkham was our quarterback's coach as well as the head coach. 
he stressed preparation. Preparation, you had to be prepared. You had to be knowledgeable, not just knowledgeable of your position, but everyone's position. And it really translates into being a warden because you, don't have, you can't just know what the warden's supposed to do. You're supposed to be a, a director of sorts to know what everyone uh, is supposed to do. So it's, it, it, they, they really go uh, hand in hand, being a leader on the football field and being a leader in the prison. Well, Warren, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, you know, we can't thank you enough for everything you do every day. You know, you're, you're, leading, a, you're leading a facility. Um, you're a leader in the Department of Corrections. Um, I, feel like you're, I feel like I need to get your autograph before you walk out of here, though, for sure. But honestly, you know, we can't, we can't thank you enough for what you do for, for this Department of Corrections. And, uh, you know, thank you for coming on Field Day's podcast. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. I want to take this opportunity to thank you guys. You guys are doing a great thing here with the podcast. It's something that I'm very disappointed I wasn't called before now. And I want to return visit. Uh, but to see what you guys do, see how much effort you guys put into this and see uh, how serious you guys are. I know there's a lot of joking and all that. I listen to it every week. Can't wait to listen to the next one because I'm pretty sure it'll be the best one. But, uh, but thanks, and I appreciate you guys having me on. To continue our, our talk on college football and some of the great staff that we have uh, across the department who were lucky enough and talented enough, unlike uh, you and I, to actually play a sport in college, you know, we... we Talked to Shane Jackson, who was amazing, who actually played two sports in college. And we have on one of our uh, friends of the pod, a longtime friend of the pod, Daryl Stinson, who uh, everybody knows uh, has been on the podcast before. He's a CPC out at uh, SAI, the Special Term Incarceration Program, in Chelsea, Michigan. So, Daryl, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for coming out again. My pleasure, my pleasure. I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, we're glad to have you on because you know, Chris and I are huge uh, sports fans, as, as everybody knows, because that's all we talk about on this podcast for the most part. Chris is also a Central Michigan University Chippewa, unfortunately, I will say. But that's where you went to school, right? Correct, correct. You, so you, you, play, you got a scholarship to play football there, correct? Yes. Okay, so how, how did you start playing football? My mom signed me up for football. She said, you got a lot of energy. You're strong and fast. I think you should play football. She took me down to the rec league, signed me up. You enjoyed it, obviously, because you kept playing, right? Got the rec league. Um, I ended up learning how to play, learned the difference between offense, defense. I learned the position stuff, uh, you know, through my little years, little league years. Then uh ended up playing in middle school. And then at that point, I started to actually now that I know the position stuff, I actually started getting pretty decent at it. And then, yes, moved on to high school, played football with a bunch of uh, a bunch of other good guys. And one of the things that I would say that made me even better than I was was the challenges of other people trying to compete with me. Well, you know, Daryl, obviously one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you're, you're a fellow chip, fire up chips. Um, but the, the reason why we're airing the episode this week is because CMU is going to be playing at Spartan Stadium uh, this coming weekend, and you have a, a special history uh, playing against uh, MSU as a chip. Why don't you tell us, uh, tell our listeners about uh, how CMU fared uh, when you played against uh, uh, MSU? Well, being from the MAC, it was uh, we still was Division One, but not as big as like a Michigan, Michigan State, and teams of the sort. When I found out I was playing against them, I, it actually hyped me up. I was like, man, we've been playing from a, a crowd of a side that I never played before. So I was really going to play Michigan State, but I was really going to play for the crowd. That was my big incentive, my big motivation. And uh, did you play? Which years did you play? Uh... I played. The 91, season 91, where we beat them, and then the following year, 92 year, where we beat them back-to-back. 
Yeah, so, so Greg, if you, if you don't know, uh, back in the day, CMU defeated MSU two years in a row, both at Spartan State, not, not something Western has ever done. So that's very cool. And if you actually go onto the CMU uh, football website, um, it actually mentions uh, Daryl. Uh, says, uh, safety Daryl Stinson placed, paced the CMU defense with 14 tackles uh, in 1992 against Michigan State including a jarring hit that forced an MSU fumble at the central goal line in the second quarter. So you're, you're, you live on in, in, in history uh, for CMU. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a great time. But then I got interviewed after the game, and they said, Tico is a track star. He's known for being fast. He's an um, All-American uh, running back. With him having these stats and being as fast as he is, how fast are you? Because you tracked him down on numerous occasions, so you must be pretty fast. And I remember saying, I'm as fast as I need to be. Well, uh, I appreciate that uh, as an alum, and uh, I know that uh, everybody else in the CMU Nation uh, appreciates uh, you being as fast as you needed to be that day uh, to take him down and to uh, uh, give CMU the, the pride that they had in, in beating MSU, and, and we'll hope uh, for the best, uh, even though they don't have you on the field uh, this time around, but I guess we'll hope for the best, and uh, we'll see how CMU fares against MSU this weekend. Uh, yeah, me too. If they go in there with the mindset that, and this is what our coach, Coach Herb Romney, used to say, he said, I don't care who we line up against, what conference they're from, what colors they wear, they got to line up against us. And if we do our job, we will come out on time. So Central go on there, and they do their job, and they stay on their blocks, and they do what they're supposed to do, catch the ball they're supposed to catch, they will prevail, and they will come out on top. Thanks so much for, for coming on and, uh, and for giving Greg a hard time uh, being ha- the sad, lonely Western grad that he is and having to listen to two Central guys talk football. So, so thank you for all you do uh, at SAI, uh, and thanks for coming on and sharing your, your time uh, at CMU. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk with the podcast and to spread the words and the news about everything that's going on, keeping everybody current with all the current events. So you guys are doing a great job. I'm glad I'm a part of it. Appreciate that. Well, Chris, I know last week you talked about the pistol shoot competition and how uh, the corrections did. Uh, last year we finished second, and that was a huge uh, finish for us. Our, you know, our, I think our first year involved in this uh, competitively. So how did we do this year? Well, this year we finished third. Uh, MSP had a couple teams, and we finished uh, right behind their first and second place, uh, or their, their first and second uh, teams. And so, you know, the team did really well. It was a really great day. We had a lot of people out there. It was great to see so many people from around the department. We really need to get some more FOA people and some and some ARU folks uh, on, the, on the team as well next year. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of people in FOA, and especially ARU. You know, they're they're trained very highly. Uh, in firearms. So yeah, we'll have to make sure we get some more halfway people out there next year for sure. Yeah, so so before we left, uh, it was a long day. Uh, before we left, we talked to uh, two individuals uh, that were part of uh, one of the teams. Uh, and so we'll let's hear from them. Um, Eugene Sabley, Lieutenant at Market Branch Prison. Mike Brown, I'm the Assistant Deputy Warden at Ken Ross Correctional Facility. President of the Michigan Department of Corrections Shooting Team Organization uh, that was originated from the EPIC committee that was put together by Director Washington. I mean, you look, we had 101 shooters here today. And I believe, what, 33 or 34 of them were from the Department of Corrections. So um, that's, that's a pretty good display of, of what we're doing in the department with our shooting organization. Our two top shooters did incredibly well, and they are being rewarded by heading to nationals. Yeah, our, one of the goals that we had uh, that was established by Director Washington was to send uh, a team to the NRA nationals in New Mexico 
and we weren't clear if we were going to be able to do it because we just basically were approved in June is when we started forming our worksite chapters. And so the fundraising that the chapters have done and the Marquette shoot and the Chippewa shoot have been able to, the, the monies generated from those events uh, made it possible for us to send two individuals this year to that competition. Uh, in the future, we're going to have you know, tryouts that will bring individuals or make individuals eligible for that shoot. But for this year, we're looking at two weeks out, and so we took the two top shooters from this event here. Myself and uh, Dee Bodner are going to be going. Been wanting to go for a while, so here's my opportunity. Like I said, exciting to see where we're at now and where we were and where we're headed. Sending two to nationals this year, and I'd like to see the shooting sports grow here for the department. For those of you who are listening who may have an interest in joining the team and want to learn more, or you're at a facility or a field office and you'd like to figure out how you can help start a team, we asked uh, Mike how did you do just that. We've got uh, worksite chapters that have been established at, I believe, 13 facilities so far. Um, and anybody who wants to form a chapter, if there isn't one at their facility right now, or even FOA, uh, FOA can establish chapters. All they have to do is basically find a range that they can utilize and then they can form their own chapter also uh, by reaching out to us uh, at the MDOC shooting team organization. We have a mailbox set up. Uh, they can email us and we can give them the information. We've got a PowerPoint set up that will guide them through establishing a worksite chapter. And um, we're, we're eager to help them because that's, you know, that's what our objective is, to get as many worksite chapters established and get as many people involved in the sport of shooting as we can. A few weeks back there was a iconic funeral of uh, you know Aretha Franklin. She's, she was an icon in, in, in music. She was an icon around the city of Detroit. Um, you know, and she passed, and it was a very, very long celebration um, for her funeral. It was, and there was a lot of celebrities there. You, I think you mentioned the list of celebrities a, a few podcasts ago, Ariana Grande, Stevie Wonder, Bill Clinton was there. Yeah, lo lots, of, uh, lots of celebrities at this, um, this funeral to celebrate Aretha Franklin. And you know, we had some celebrities of the DOC there, too. And uh, we, we, we had a pro board member who was there. I, I think she, uh, she spoke um, during the ceremony, Barb Sampson. So, and we also had Sheila Hamilton, who was a, who was a PC, a prison counselor over at uh, WHV. And she had the, the experience of, of singing in the choir there. So let, let's talk to Sheila and see how her experience was at the funeral. Uh, welcome to Field Day, Sheila. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about your experience. You actually sang at the funeral, correct? That's correct. Tell us about that. What, how did you get, how'd you get involved with that? Well, first of all, um, a lot of people may think that that choir was actually from the church, but it was a combination of uh, local churches from the metropolitan Detroit area. I, you know, got a call on a Monday night. It was close to 10 o'clock at night, and they said I had, was chosen as one of 10 people from my church to be a part that was selected to be a part of the funeral. Um, and if I was interested, I would have rehearsal that Thursday that Monday and that Wednesday before her funeral, and they asked me if I was interested, and I was in awe. I was like, of course I'm interested. So, you know, I was humbled to, to even be selected. You know, it, it, it's a sad event, right? It was a funeral of Aretha Franklin. She's an icon, especially in Detroit, and mm -hmm. um, so it, it was. It was a very sad event, but there was a lot of, uh, of stars there, you know, former, former presidents, 
Um, oh my God! There were so many stars that I couldn't believe it. I knew we were having this little interview today. I had to write their names down. Well, that's what, that's kind of what I want to talk about. You know, I'll, I mean, even though it was a very very sad event, it was a celebration of Aretha Franklin. And, you know, tons and tons and tons of people came out to this funeral. So, what was it like to be there? Oh my God! It was just uh, you know, it, it was an experience for me because it felt like I was sitting amongst amongst royalty. The way that they handled the funeral, the, I couldn't believe it was that long, but um, that was the probably worst part. It was just long, but other than that, it was an interesting funeral. I mean, people were speaking highly of her. It was some things that I learned about her that I didn't know. I think it was an awesome experience just to be amongst all of the dignitaries, people that loved her, all the, the artists, the singers, uh, you know, the sports champions, former presidents, you got pastors, ministers, you got bishops in there, governors, mayors, I mean, judges. These She has touched so many people's lives, you know, across the country. People were coming from all over. I mean, you had even Minister Farrakhan sitting up there. He didn't say nothing, but it's just the fact that he, they that she was the type of woman that can bring all of these type of people together, regardless of people's differences and you know agreements or disagreements. It was just a. a I felt like I was sitting in a, a room full of love. So uh, obviously, you're a very good singer, uh, and there were a lot of you know professional uh, big name singers there so who was who do you who gave the best performance or who, who was your favorite uh, singer now, yeah I uh, oh my god I love Yolanda Adams but my favorite performances were the Clark sisters I love Fantasia so she was like my number one person uh, and then she and then uh, Shaka Khan it was Fantasia Clark sisters and Shaka Khan they were my best uh, performances for me, Fantasia just puts you in the mind of Queen, I mean, Aretha Franklin. It's just, she she has so much soul, you know, she makes you feel what she's singing, and I love that about her. Now, when we talked earlier, you mentioned how it was pretty much all business there, and you didn't have time to, you know, go around and meet any of the celebrities, so you didn't get any selfies, you know, with Bill, with Bill Clinton. Right. Or with Everything singers. was pretty much business, you know, even in rehearsals. With everybody that was selected, you know, I recognized some people just from the metropolitan Detroit area, but we didn't have time. We were about business. They made it about business, and that's how we handled it. All the chit-chat, all the we can hang out later kind of thing. They they wanted us to be professional, and that's how we, you know, acted professionally. And so, so even though you didn't get uh, pictures with anybody or get to meet anybody, um, it's my understanding that people still saw you on TV, and maybe even some of the, the prisoners there that saw you. Yes. Oh, my God. Ah, uh, yes. People were texting me, you know, and saying, hey, they keep showing you, and and I'm in a perfect spot, and yes, the prisoners, I mean, before I can get home, I had coworkers that were texting me saying, hey, I just want you to know that your unit was so excited, and people across the WHV facility was so excited to see you, you know, on television. Of course, when I made it back to work, 
They was like, Miss Hamilton, we see you. Oh, my God. We knew that you could. They was like, you were sitting right at the Aretha Franklin funeral. And, you know, I gave a, a little snippet of what I experienced, and they were excited for me. And I try to p treat people with kindness, and what happens is that comes back to you. And so to hear the prisoners excited for me, you know, they always told me that when we got this job that we would be role models. For them. So thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story with, uh, with our listeners. You are so welcome. Well, uh, as you can see, that was, uh, there's a lot to this episode, uh, but what other podcasts in the whole country, yet the world, can include things like college football, especially CMU football, pistol shooting, and Aretha Franklin? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's pretty unique. And that's that, only something you're going to find on the Field Days podcast. Yeah, I mean, what an, what an episode. I know it was very long, uh, but very informative, and I think it was you know very entertaining with some people on um, to talk about some of their personal experiences outside of work. Uh, so tune in next week, uh, and we'll, we'll have a brand new episode for you. All right, as always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at... MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast. <laughs>